ho, and welcome to Misinformation, the trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. <laughs> Julia, it's Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We're spending it with you, our listeners, instead of our respective families, so you better appreciate it. No, that's not true. We're recording this ahead of time, but um, we wanted to give you a special episode Christmas episodes. Yeah, so that in you can... case you need a, a break. Yes, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> when I thought about this episode, I imagined either our listeners could be listening to it on the way to or mm. from a, yes. a family a event. Gathering. Mm-hmm. Or they could hide in a bedroom and just put in some earbuds and just listen to us instead of, you know, their crazy racist uncle going on about Muslims again. Um, so that you could at least get a little bit of, of holiday cheer from two people who you're not blood related to. Yay. So. So, and Lauren, I want to point out, is wearing um, a beautiful sweatshirt oh, yes. uh, that has Mr. Narwhal on it. And it says, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I, every time I put it on, I say it under my breath. I go, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> I gotta say, it's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's so sure. good. Yeah. I did not think that I was going to like it as much as I do, but it is. Because I think, it's Will Ferrell and you're like, Ugh, Will Ferrell. But he's so precious yeah. in that movie. I, I think, love it. Um, childlike wonder is Will Ferrell's like niche. Mm. I think mm-hmm. you should stick with that. It's very good. Stick with that. If you're listening, Will, that's my opinion <laughs> of you. So, um, so of course, if I'm going to do a, a holiday episode, if I'm going to do a Christmas mm-hmm. episode, I'm going to do a very festive topic. And of course, what's more festive than, than the daddy of Christmas himself. Ooh, daddy Christmas. Ooh, sorry. I won't do that again. <laughs> Santa Claus. I'm going to talk about the history of Santa Claus. So my topic is called "He Watches You While You Sleep." That jolly old elf. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus riding down Santa Claus Lane. So that's not scary at all. (laughs) I know. I know. I really lent. There's actually some dark darkness. Oh yeah. Lay it on me. There's not too much, but. There is some. (laughs) So, so apparently Santa Claus, as we know him. The Jolly Old Elf. Yes. It's a combination of several people or legends in Western culture. So the modern Santa Claus grew out of traditions of St. Nicholas, the British figure of Father Christmas, and the Dutch figure of Sinterklaas, who is also based on St. Nick, but he has different um, traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, Some also claim that he also absorbed the elements of the Germanic god Woden, or Odin, Mm -hmm. in Scandinavian um, legend. Uh, who was associated with the pagan midwinter event of Yule and the Wild Hunt, which is a ghostly procession through the sky, which we'll talk about later. It's so metal, which, you know, if you think about Scandinavia, that's metal. That's is all kinda, they're about. It, meatballs. Yep. And just like death metal. Oh, just, ah, just screams. Ah. Actually, there's, um, there's a Scandinavian, I think they're Finnish. No, Swedish. Um, they're a group called Ghost. And they were on the late show with Stephen Colbert a couple of years ago when he first started out and didn't have like major bands mm-hmm. on. And the the lead singer was dressed as a ghostly um, pope and <laughs> uh, and like wraiths oh. in dark clothes and like deep dark eyes like crawled out of the audience and like attacked the pope singer. 
Um, and the song was really good. So I'm, I am a fan of the oh, of the Swedish death metal band Ghost. You all should. I didn't actually, know that. I didn't know you were a fan of Swedish death metal. Maybe that should be. That's maybe that should be my interstitial music. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, so we're gonna start with Saint Nicholas, jolly uh, old Saint Nick. Johnny old Saint Nick. He was a real saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a fourth century Greek Orthodox bishop, uh, also known as Nicholas of Myra. Uh, which is now in Turkey, Demri, Turkey, uh, Asia Minor at the time. His dates are March 270 to December 6th, 343. He was 73 when he died and actually died uh, of natural causes. Oh, great. Yeah, that's, it's great. That's so a good nice. old age for right? that time period. So when uh, most people died at 17. Yeah, absolutely. Being crushed by <laughs> whatever. Rocks. Who knows? It's an old time. Uh, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of, here's the list, Mm -hmm. sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, and students in various cities and countries around Europe. As I am both a repentant thief and a pawnbroker, I find this very interesting. You frequently pray to St. Nicholas, as I have heard. You do late at night. I don't don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) So... His reputation evolved among the faithful as was common for early Christian saints and his legendary habit of secret gift giving gave rise to the traditional model of Santa Claus mm. or St. Nick through Sinterklaas. Uh, so little history about uh, our our buddy Nick. Uh, born in Asia Minor to wealthy Greek parents, Nicholas was very religious from an early age and according to legend, naturally rigorously observed the canonical feasts of Wednesdays and Fridays. So he was very wow. pious. Yeah. Because it's tough. Like, oh, yeah. in Lent, when we'd be like, you can't eat meat on Fridays in Lent, we'd yeah. be like, but, oh. But these guys, yeah. like, they fasted all the mm-hmm. time and, like, ate certain foods and, like, prayed, prayed, prayed. So, God bless him, little, little Nicky. Um, uh, alas, <laughs> his parents died in an epidemic while he was young. Oh. And he was raised by his uncle, also named Nicholas, mm-hmm. uh, who was the Bishop of Patara. So, he tonsured the young Nick. So, tonsur... Mm is a term, uh, which means that uh, uh, early Christians, uh, pious Christians would cut their hair. So like mm-hmm. Friar Tuck with that oh, like, yes. bald mm-hmm. pate and then like the circle of hair, that's called tonsuring. Oh, very interesting. Um, so after you learn a certain amount, um, you would become tonsured. So that's like an early step in becoming a priest. So it's how people would know that. Yeah, they're like, like visibly know that you were yeah, like, you knew what was up. Leave this guy alone. You know, yeah. he's tonsured. Um, so he was first a reader of the liturgy, mm-hmm. as you know, in church, like someone would go up and read some verses out of the Bible. And later he was tonsured as a presbyter or a priest mm-hmm. by his uncle, Nick. So later he became a monk and was consecrated as Bishop in Myra around 317. So, uh, let's talk about his miracles. What made him yeah. a saint? So there were, there were a lot. One was very, um, very Jesus-y where he like was... <laughs> Sorry. That's probably how they recorded yeah, it. Yeah, they were like, Jesus too. dash Y, Jesus-y. <laughs> um, he was like out on a boat and there were some sailors and they're like, uh, he was asleep and like the waves kicked up and they were like, St. Nicholas, I mean, Nicholas, help us. And he was like, all right. And he was like, shh. And then the mm. waves were gone and they were like, thank God. Or they're like, thank you, Nick. And he was like, no, thank God. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was God. So um, one story tells about how during a terrible famine, a malicious butcher lured three little children into his house where he killed them, placed their remains in a barrel to cure, planning to sell them off as ham. You know what? I can't abide by in any 
literature Tell or us. anything I read, it's like cannibals eating babies and children. I mm. can't do it. That's a that's a bold it's a real stance turn for off. you to take. It's a real turn off for me. <laughs> like like if I'm reading a book and it comes to that, I can't, yeah, you do, just it can't do it anymore. Like Cormac McCarthy, I am looking Ooh. at you. Well, the road. Come on. <sighs> Yikes. That's sorry. No so 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 there's some asshole who's already killed some children. He's yes. curing them. Now, granted, <laughs> this is this is a story. Okay. <laughs> All right. So wait, there's a happy ending to this. Okay. Nicholas, visiting the region to care for the hungry, not only saw through the butcher's horrific crime, but also resurrected the three <gasps> boys from the barrel by his prayers. Right? I didn't know so, that. Yeah, I know, right? Another version of the story, possibly formed around the 11th century, claims that the butcher's victims were instead three clerks who wished to stay the night. Um, and the man murdered them and was advised by his wife to dispose of them by turning them into meat pies. Meat pies. <gasps> Best meat pies uh, yep. in London. And then the saint saw through this and brought the men back to life. It's the same ending. All right. Well, so no worries. Better. The babies weren't, the I'm kids okay were not going to kill some travelers, yeah. but leave the kids alone. <laughs> <laughs> the, the men, sure. They lived a long life. They probably made a lot of money as clerks, but the yeah. kids, they didn't do anything yeah. to anybody. Um, so in the, his most famous exploit, and this is kind of what, one of the many things that brought him to be like Santa Claus-esque, mm-hmm. is that Nicholas aided a poor man who had three daughters, but could not afford a proper dowry for them. So at that time, this meant that they would remain unmarried and probably, in absence of any other possible employment, um, would have to become sex workers because that's just the way it is. So even if they did not, unmarried women in those days would be assumed to be sex workers. So can't win for losing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So hearing of the girl's plight, Nicholas decided to help them, but being too modest to help the family in public or to save them the humiliation of accepting charity, he went to the house under the cover of night and threw three purses, one for each daughter, filled with gold coins through the window opening in the house. Uh, One version has him throwing one purse for three consecutive nights, and another has him throwing the purses over a period of three years each time the night before one Mm. of the daughters comes of age. Invariably, the third time, the father lies in wait, trying to discover the identity of their benefactor. In one version, the father confronts the saint, only to have Nicholas say, it is not him he should thank, but God alone. Mm. In another version, Nicholas learns of the poor man's plan and drops the third bag down the chimney. Instead, a variant holds that the daughter had washed her stockings that evening and hung them over the embers to dry and that the bag of gold fell into the stocking. (gasps) Yeah, yeah. Hence, stockings hung by the fire with care. (laughs) Okay. So that's St. Nicholas. Father Christmas of England was part of a longer English folkloric tradition as the personification of Christmas Mm -hmm. um, and was more adult in nature. Wink, wink, wink. wink. Uh, He was concerned, Father Christmas was concerned mostly with feasting and merrymaking, which is like Bacchanalia, Mm, Bacchus tendencies. Uh, But as Christmas became more child-centric and the Santa Claus myth from the uh, U.S. came over in 1850, uh, Father Christmas adopted more of Santa's characteristics. Mm -hmm. So uh, you would think of the idea of Father Christmas as like in uh, all the depictions of um, the second uh, ghost of Christmas present in A Christmas Carol. He has a very father christmas-esque look okay so he still wears a robe but the robe is green Mm -hmm. and he it's trimmed in fur but he has red hair and a big beard and he is kind of decorated with uh like vines and leaves Mm -hmm. and things so he is more of a like a winter spirit that is pagan in nature and more has to do with like the earth than 
like children getting presents. Mm-hmm. So that's Father Christmas. So uh, Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas. Uh, which is the proper way to look. Because I looked up, I went to a Dutch uh, uh-huh. website and I looked up <laughs> how to pronounce all of these things because Dutch is impenetrable. <laughs> so Sinterklaas. So many uh, <laughs> he is depicted as an elderly, stately and serious man with white hair and a long full beard. He wears a long red cape or chasuble over traditional white bishop's alb and sometimes a red stola, which mm-hmm. is like the stole, like mm-hmm. the scarf. He dons a red mitre, big tall hat, mm. and a ruby ring and holds a gold-colored crozier, a long ceremonial shepherd's staff with a fancy curled top. Sound familiar? Mm. He sound, looks, sounds like a cross between a red pope and Santa Claus. Um, so the red he, pope. The red so that's, pope. That's uh, character from uh, alice in wonderland is right? it really the red no, pope oh no red queen yeah i'm sure the red pope's in there somewhere he, he's in her court <laughs> yeah red pope red pope not like young pope uh he is he traditionally rides he's a white horse so Sinterklaas Klaas has a white horse in the netherlands the horse is called amerigo and in oh. belgium it is named slecht via wandog which means bad weather today I'm not kidding. Sinterklaas <laughs> uh, carries a big red book in which is written whether each child has been good or naughty in the mm. past year. So that's where that comes from. Sinterklaas yeah. uh, is assisted by many mischievous helpers with black faces and colorful Moorish yeah. dress. Uh, these companions are called Zwarte Piet mm-hmm. or Black Piet. Zwarte Piet first appeared in print at the, as the nameless servant of St. Nicholas in St. Nicholas and Jeinnecht. Mm. St. Nicholas and his servant or apprentice published in 1850 by Amsterdam school teacher Jan Schenkman. However, the tradition appears to date back to at least as far as the early 19th century because there has been this ongoing in Western culture, especially in Europe, this ongoing like personification mm-hmm. of Christmas. Uh, traditionally, Zwarte Piet's face is said to be black because he is a Moor from Spain, but today some prefer to say that his face is blackened with soot uh, because mm. he has to climb through chimneys to deliver gifts for Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the figure of Zwarte Piet is considered by some to be racist. Oh, what? Huh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As such, the tradition surrounding the holiday of Sinterklaas has been the subject of numerous editorials, debates, documentaries, protests, and even violent clashes at oh, festivals. Man. Yeah. Man, the Dutch. Many large cities and television channels now only display Zwarte Pete's character with some soot marks on the face rather than full black face. Okay. Yeah. Which compromise. Is, yeah, it's a compromise. Um, it is so-called uh, Rootwegpieten or uh, Schwarzsteinpieten, which uh, are chimney peats. Mm. Nevertheless, both Zwarte Piet and the holiday remain popular in the Netherlands. And in a 2013 survey... 92% of the Dutch public did not perceive Zwarte Piet as racist mm. or associate him with slavery, and 91% were opposed to altering the character's appearance. Oh, boy. I mean, it's problematic. And it's one thing for tradition, but it's like, come on, guys. I mean, it's not like someone's like beating up your, your right. grandpa. It's just yeah. let it go. Yeah. You know? Anyway. So in the Netherlands, uh, St. Nicholas's Eve, December 5th, uh, became the chief occasion for gift giving during the winter holiday season. As you know, uh, St. Nicholas died on December 6th, and it is still St. Nicholas's Day. Uh, The evening is called Sinterklaaswand, or uh, Pachigwand, which is gifts evening, or literally packages evening. Aren't I doing great? You're... uh, I can't believe you didn't study abroad in Amsterdam. I know, right? Well, you know, I would have stuck out like a sore thumb, but... Um, I had to write all of the pronunciations yeah. uh, phonetically, as you know. 
So on the evening of December 5th, the main presents will somehow arrive, or a note will be found that explains where in-house the presents were hidden by Zwarte Pete, mm. who left a burlap sack with them. Oh. Sometimes a neighbor will knock on the door, pretending to be Zwarte Pete, and leave the sack outside for the children to retrieve. This varies per family. Mm-hmm. When the presents arrive, the living room is decked out with them, much as on Christmas Day in English-speaking countries. And on December 6th, Sinterklaas dis- departs without any ado, and all festivities are over. Mm. In the southern Netherlands and Belgium, most children have to wait until the morning of December 6th to receive their gifts, and Sinterklaas is seen as a festivity almost exclusively for children. Their shoes are filled with a poem or a wish list for Sinterklaas and carrots, hay, or sugar cubes for the horse on the evening of the 5th, and in Belgium, often a bottle of beer for Zwarte Piet and a cup of coffee for Sinterklaas are placed next to them, which makes sense. Yeah. Because if you're Santa Claus, you're out all night, you know, you need a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. And so, if you're climbing in and out of chimneys, you need some liquor to loosen you up. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. I mean, I, what if, what if Sinterklaas is like a little claustrophobic? Yeah. You know? He's like, well, I got to do it. So, yeah, a little bit of booze would help. Uh, also, in some areas, when it's time for children to give up their pacifier, they place it into his or her shoe, and it is replaced with chocolate the next morning. Nice. nice? Uh, we used to do St. Nicholas night. We would put oh, your really? shoe out by your bed. Or outside your door. And then on December 6th, there would be some candy in it. Are you serious? You did this like your family? Yeah. See, that was my first taste of a Cadbury bar. Oh. You see, Lauren, six-year-old Julia put out her Adidas <laughs> sneaker outside her bedroom door. Wow. And in the morning, there was a Cadbury dairy milk oh in it. Oh, my God. Those are delicious. And I thought, what is this? Where did it come from? <laughs> what is this Can delicious Can I buy more? <laughs> And I, I feel like I would only get it on St. Nicholas night wow. for, for several years before it was like widespread in, sure, in sure. the stores and stuff. But that's my, that's my that's memory. Lovely. What a lovely memory. It. Yeah. It's funny. Your, your mother seems like the type who definitely liked to incorporate other, uh, like European yeah. traditions. She likes, yeah, she likes holiday stuff. Yeah. For sure. And didn't she like make a goose or something at oh, one point? Oh man. Okay. So one year, we, okay. So my, <laughs> Mom might be listening. Okay. Uh, so um, she thought that it would be fun to do a Dickens Christmas. Sure. So that entailed uh, planning to have, we had a goose. Uh, we roasted parsnips and turnips what? and rutabagas and all kinds of other root vegetables. Okay. Um, we had uh, figgy pudding. Mm. Uh, we had plum pudding. We made mince pies. Oh, wow. Um Okay, so my dad is the cook in the family. Sure. My mom is not. She knows. She knows she's not the cook in the family. Sure. So when she told my dad of this plan, he said, well, you could do that, but I'm not going to do it. You can do it. (laughs) So my mom and I had to cook a goose for like eight hours in her kitchen. So she had to like special order it. And then we still had to like continue to pluck feathers out of it. Because like there was like it came to us and there's still like the very ends of the feathers Mm -hmm. were still like embedded in the skins. We had to pull all those out. And my mom likes well done meat. Okay, any kind. Even if you're like, no, duck should be served medium. Yeah, slightly like, pink. Like, yes, no. So she didn't want to eat. Like, she wanted her, literally wanted goose her cooked. goose to be cooked. <laughs> so we roasted that thing for like oh easily boy. like six hours. Okay, this goose was overdone okay and there's goose grease everywhere Ugh. we're pulling like there's goose grease all over the kitchen oh like gosh. we're like our skin was just like re- i mean my, skin, my hands were very Smooth. soft um yeah. but we like roasted the vegetables in the goose grease too so oh anyway geese don't yield a lot of meat okay and there were like eight of us at christmas oh, dinner man. so basically 
like we each got like three small medallions <laughs> of overcooked goose oh, no. and a bunch of like parsnips that had been roasted in goose oh, grease. Oh no. And then some like overly alcoholic figgy pudding and we and we have never done never another done it themed again. Christmas again. <laughs> My dad has continued his his original traditions of, you know, here's some ham and potatoes. Yep. This is Christmas dinner now. So, um so if your family wants to partake in such an event, uh you'll have a story to tell. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But make sure you have like some uh, frozen pizzas in the yeah, freezer. Yeah, just in case. Christmas pizza, as they know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, I can't I can't imagine how much work that would be. But you know what? God bless your mom for yeah. just at least trying it. Yeah. But yeah, she uh, they introduced me to Cadbury at St. Nicholas night, <sighs> like Cadbury. many moons ago. I could eat it right now. Mm-hmm. I might go home and actually eat some. Um, oh, so the, the present is often creatively disguised by being packaged in a humorous, unusual, Ooh. or personalized way. And this is called a surprise <gasps> from the French. Ah, surprise. Um, I don't even know if that's what surprises in French. Um, <laughs> poems from Sinterklaas uh, usually accompany gifts bearing a personal message for the receiver. It is usually a humorous poem, which often teases the recipient for well-known bad Ooh. habits or other character deficiencies. <laughs> Ooh, crap. <laughs> cool. So make you feel bad about yourself. So in recent years, influenced by North American media and the anglo and Christmas tradition, when the children reach the age where they get told the big secret of Sinterklaas, mm. some people will shift to Christmas Eve or Christmas Day for the present giving. And older children in Dutch families where the children are too old to believe in Sinterklaas anymore also often celebrate Christmas with presents instead of um, uh, Pakijvand. Mm. Um, and I just... Package Day. Package Day. Exactly. Uh, so instead of such gifts being brought by Sinterklaas, family members ordinarily draw names for an event comparable to Secret Santa. Hmm. Because of the popularity of his older cousin, Sinterklaas, Santa Claus is, however, not commonly seen in the Netherlands and Belgium. So the purity of Sinterklaas is still there. Yes. So here comes like the dark shit. Ooh. So Woden or Odin, a major god among the Germanic peoples who was worshipped in Northern and Western Europe prior to Christianization. So he rides the white horse Sleipnir. He flies through the air as the leader of the wild hunt. I don't know why I'm doing this weird (laughs) accent. I can't even tell if that's... Heidi Dighty. He is always accompanied by two black ravens, Hugin and Munin. Those helpers would listen, just like Zwarte Piet at the chimney, which was just a hole in the roof at the time, to tell Woden about the good and bad behavior of the mortals. Mm. Due to its speculative character, however, this older Germanic theory has little support among present-day scholars, but how metal is that? (laughs) Although it continues to be popular in non-scholarly sources. At the same time, it seems clear that the St. Nicholas tradition contains a number of elements that are not ecclesiastical in origin. There's still some pagan qualities. Yeah. So the wild hunt is a European folk myth. Now, the wild hunt. The wild hunt. It's not necessarily Christmassy, um, but, well, you'll hear about it. Okay, so it involves Mm -hmm. a ghostly or supernatural group of huntsmen passing in a wild pursuit. The hunters may either be elves or fairies or the dead, and the leader of the hunt is often a named figure associated with Woden, but may variously be a historical or legendary figure like Theodoric the Great, the Danish king Valdemar Otterdog, the Welsh... Did you say Voldemort? Wait, did I? No, Valdemar. Oh my God. (laughs) Could you imagine? It's Valdemar, but very close. Yeah. So maybe J.K. Rowling had some, like Mm. Joe Rowling had something to do with that. Um, The Welsh psychopomp Gwyn Up Neve, 
uh, which is I didn't know what a psychopomp was. I don't I know what a psychopomp is. So a psychopomp is essentially a a like an angel of death. Oh. So they're a spirit that takes the dead over to the underworld. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's that's good trivia right okay. there. Psychopomp is a European term for mm. a spirit that takes your dead soul wow. to the other world. Uh, biblical figures such as Herod, Cain, Gabriel, or mm. the devil, or an identified lost soul or spirit, either male or female. So the wild hunt is definitely is like a basic term for like a crazy supernatural like hunt, like yeah. a fox hunt that mortals see. Okay. Um, so seeing the wild, wild hunt was thought to presage some catastrophe such as war or plague mm. or at best the death of the one who witnessed it. <gasps> So people encountering the hunt might also be abducted to the underworld or the fairy kingdom. And in some instances, it was also believed that the people's spirits could be pulled away during their sleep to join the cavalcade. This so is very uh, mythological. Like, yeah, it's very mythological. Very Hades. Yes. It's, um, there's a lot of like... Of Persephone getting taken to the underworld. Yes, when you exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this... So so yeah, so that's the wild <laughs> hunt. All right, I'm going to bring us back. Up. Okay. Bring, bring, it, bring it home. Bring it at home. So this image of the merry white-haired guy with a red suit trimmed in white fur with black boots and a belt became popular in the United States and Canada in the 19th century due to the significant mm. influence of the 1823 poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. Uh, quick interjection. No, please. Uh, the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York mm, I've heard has of it. one of only four <gasps> handwritten manuscripts of this poem in Clement Seymour's hand. Are you kidding no. me? Are I'm you not kidding, kidding me? You. No. I need to see it. Yeah. Do you have it I in have the it. archives? I, well, not, not with me. Well, no, of course at, not. At that the would museum. Be, that would be unethical it is if you brought it at the museum, up. yes. Okay. It's much smaller than you would expect. Oh, really? It's, um, you know, probably like, I don't know, like eight inches by like five inches or oh, something. Oh, okay. And well, it's three pages. Interesting. And it's, his, and it's one of only four known copies of That's it, blown my mind. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean like conservation of paper. Like they didn't. You know, if you're yeah. not super wealthy, you couldn't really get a lot of paper sure. at a time. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so, yes. Sorry. No, Clem- no, please. Clem- Clark Morris. Do not apologize. Uh, so also, and of caricaturist and political cartoonist Thomas Nast, who also put him at the North Pole. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, please. Objection. Uh, at the Strong <laughs> National Museum of Play in Rochester, <laughs> New York, uh, we also have uh, Thomas Nast's painting, uh, Jolly Old St. Nick, and it is currently on display. Oh, is that the one with him? Like, he's like, toast. Like, he's yep. got his little, like... Yeah, he's got his belly and his... Yeah, know. I remember seeing yep. that. You guys put that out every Christmas, yep. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. The I manuscript goes out maybe, like, every three years just because uh, of, yeah. you know, conservation reasons. But the painting goes out usually yeah. every I didn't every know December. that that was a real painting. I thought that was just, like, a decorative object. Nope. It just goes to show how much I know. Um, it is it is not true that it was Coca-Cola that gave him the outfit yeah, for advertising. Yeah. A lot of people think that because he was red and white, it was supposed to like reflect mm-hmm. Coca-Cola's colors. But in fact, it was Thomas Nast who put him in the red and white. Um, so I didn't know this, but L. Frank Baum wrote a story called The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Um, it is a 1902 children's book. It was it that further popularized Santa Claus in the culture mm. as well. So much of... Sa- Do you guys have it? <laughs> Uh, interjection (laughs) (laughs) i was yeah i was gonna say uh much of santa claus's mythos was not set in stone at the time so you could play with it um and it allowed balm to give his niklaus or uh nestle's little one i don't know what that means a wide variety of immortal support okay so that was like his name Mm. um 
uh, a home. He had a home in the Laughing Valley of Hohaho. Hohaho. And he had 10 reindeer. Aww. They could not fly, but they leapt in enormous flight-like bounds. Okay. Uh, Claus's immortality was earned, much like his title, Santa. Mm. Um, and it was decided by a vote of those naturally immortal. And uh, this work also established Claus's motives. He uh, has Claus. Claus. He had a happy childhood among immortals. Uh, when Ack, master woodsman of the world, exposes him to the misery and poverty of children in the outside world, Santa strives to find a way to bring joy into the lives of all children. And eventually invents toys as a principal means. <laughs> he invented toys. He invented toys in the story. This fits for the 19th century. I know. I really want to read this now. Um, Santa later appears in The Road to Oz as an honored guest at Ozma's birthday party, stated to be famous and beloved enough for everyone to bow even before it is announced. He is the most mighty and loyal friend of children, his Supreme Highness, Aww. Santa Claus. Yeah, I never read beyond the original. Yeah, me neither. Book. From bomb. And I don't know why I didn't because they're, they were so like lovely and mm-hmm. lyrical and kind of like a, a nice, sweet fantasy, yeah. which had like a, ni- a little bit of darkness, but not too much. Sure. Um, yeah, we should do that. You know what? Book, book, book club. Book club. Misinformation mm. book club. Where we we're going to. The entirety of Al Frank Baum's catalog. <sighs> yeah, I know it's a lot. It's going to take us like four years. So, yeah, um, you have to finish Harry Potter first. I know. <laughs> I do. That's true. I really do. So, uh, TV producer Jonathan Meath, um, who is a TV producer and also portrays Santa, he's a, he's a professional Santa. Okay. In 2011, he said, Santa is really the only cultural icon we have whose male does not carry a gun and is all about peace, joy, giving, and caring for other people. That's part of the magic for me, especially in a culture where we've become so commercialized and hooked into manufactured icons. Santa is much more organic, integral, connected to the past, and therefore connected to the future. That's sweet. Mm. So here's a little tidbit of info about Jonathan Meath. He produced Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? And his daughter is Amelia Randall Meath, who is the lead singer of Sylvan Esso. Oh, how is that, that weird? That's fun. Um, he sings Continue. tenor and is a big Red Sox fan. And he uses a product called Cowboy Magic <gasps> on his beard. And Cowboy Magic um, is for uh, horses, like show horses. Oh. And you smear it through like their their mane and tail, <laughs> and it makes it like glistening and shiny. Wow. Um, so he uses that on his beard. And he has a natural white beard and a natural bowl full of jelly if you know what i'm saying just a belly he's got a belly i'm not being dirty so oh boy sorry. <laughs> man i cannot just even i cannot just have just like a nice topic oh. anyway so um that was my wow. topic on santa claus that's fun yeah isn't it cool yeah it's um, nice to know that it wasn't just coca-cola yes i know isn't that nice i created him yeah um so my quiz is called merry men a quiz on funny guys and robin hood Nice. Question number one. Did you know that Robin Hood had between 20 and 140 merry men in the ballads? Many were named like Little John and Will Scarlet, but a lesser known character was known as the Pinder. What is a Pinder? Question number two. What kind of music did John Candy's character play in the movie Home Alone? Question number three. Robin Hood traditionally is shown wearing a tunic and stockings in a particular shade of green, which was traditional in the Middle Ages. What is the name of that color? Question number four. This Cheers regular is also a regular in Pixar films. His voice appears in every Pixar film to date. Name that actor. 
Question number five, the Disney version will give you a hint. Robin Hood is thought to have been a contemporary and supporter of what 15th century English king? Question number six, here's a tough question from a show with three funny guys and one very funny lady. In the Bizarro Jerry episode of Seinfeld, what are the names of the Bizarro Jerry, George, and Kramer? Question number seven. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was a 1991 movie that starred a bland-voiced Kevin Costner and Sean Connery doing his Conneryist. What was the name of the incongruous song that Brian Adams sang for the film, which made it to number one for 14 consecutive weeks on the Billboard charts? Question number eight. Comic legend Robin Williams dropped out of acting college to pursue his dreams of stand-up. What famous theater school did he go to? Question number nine. What dashing Australian-born actor became a superstar after his turn in the titular 1938 movie, The Adventures of Robin Hood? And finally, question number 10. Robin Hood Men in Tights was a parody of the Robin Hood story, as well as several previous films, including Prince of Thieves. What legendary comic wrote, produced, and directed it? All right, we'll give you a minute to think about it, and we'll be back with answers. Let's try this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Robin Hood had between 20 and 140 merry men in the ballads. Uh, many were named like Little John and Will Scarlet. What character, I mean, this character was known as the Pinder. What is a Pinder? Uh, did they make nails? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is a good, that's, you know what? It's a very good guess. So uh, as you know, this is something in the tradition of professions that became last names mm-hmm. like yeah. Cook or Miller. Yeah. So a Pinder is an impounder of stray animals. Oh, like um, like the dog catcher. Yes, like a dog catcher. Wow, So that's okay. a pinder. Cool. Okay, question number two. What kind of music did John Candy's character play in the movie Home Alone? Polka, polka, polka. <laughs> yes, it was polka. My dad's favorite <laughs> genre of music. He hates it. Um, it's because he hates Pollocks. He does. Well, you know, I'm not going to give that away. <laughs> not in public. <laughs> Uh, question number three, Robin Hood traditionally is shown wearing a tunic and stockings in a particular shade of green, which is traditional in the Middle Ages. What is the name of that color? Is it not, is it not forest green? No. <laughs> is it Viridian? No, that's a good guess too. Mm. No, it's uh, it's called Lincoln Green. Lincoln Green. Yes, like is it Lincoln. spelled like Abraham yep. Lincoln? Yes. And Tell me about it. So Lincoln was the name of a cloth town in the high Middle Ages. Oh, okay. And uh, it was the dyers of Lincoln produced the cloth by dyeing it with woad, mm-hmm. which is a plant, to give it a strong blue, and then over dyeing it yellow with weld, which is another oh, color. Like, interesting. Um, 
flower. Like or, a goldenrod type Exactly, thing. or mm-hmm. dyer's broom, which is similar to goldenrod. Mm-hmm. And Coventry blue and Kendall green were also colors linked with the dyers of English towns. And those are oh, still cool. colors that are used still today. today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neat. Uh, number four, this Cheers regular is also the regular in Pixar films. His voice appears in every Pixar film to date. Name that actor. Okay. I can't think of his real I know, name. You can, you can see his face. Uh, is it uh, is it Cliff from it is, Cheers? It is Cliff from and Cheers. his name is... Mm, the last name has like a traxer or a <laughs> sort of you want me to just put you out of just your misery tell me. it's john ratzenberger ratzenberger yes john okay. ratzenberger okay cliff. i know cliff cliff and it, he's he's just got such a distinctive killer voice yeah and i just every time he's in it's fun to like watch a pixar film mm-hmm. and be like where's john ratzenberger and um he he was famously on an episode of cheers where he was on jeopardy and oh. for his final jeopardy answer he gave the answer of um who are three people who've never been in my kitchen and while correct it was not the it was not the it was not the winning answer it's not the so answer it, they wanted it, it has lived on in in the lore that's interesting i did not know that jeopardy is of jeopardy cliff clavin yeah cliff clavin uh, number five, the Disney version will give you a hint. Robin Hood is thought to have been a contemporary and supporter of what 15th century English king? John. Richard the Lionhearted. Richard the Lionhearted. Okay. So in the, in the movie, he's depicted as a lion. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. So. Um, uh, quick poll. Sure. Uh, did um, you think that Robin Hood, the fox in the Disney movie was sexy? <laughs> you know what? I... <laughs> So here's the thing. That's this is a common Twitter thing. Yeah. Or just like women I had of the a internet. Thing. Told me this in college, like very pre-Twitter, that she was like she attracted. Really, that was like yeah, her sexual like, awakening. Like her crush was like. I don't think I don't think that I watched Robin Hood the Fox. <laughs> I don't think I watched the movie young enough for that to like impact my yeah my I don't know my yeah awakening your psyche or anything yeah. yeah i mean i can see like in retrospect being like okay yeah because he's a good like looking fox he's a good looking fox he's like masculine but mm-hmm. also funny nice and tail. witty yeah he's got a solid tail <laughs> oh jeez, it's kind of grossing me out but i'm certainly not going to judge people who say because i can yeah, see that it's funny yeah it's funny and it's cute it's, it's, it's just funny that like it. when people say it because you're like oh i know other people that have said that yeah. that's funny yeah. yeah it's just i think it's you're like not a alone. cultural thing yeah <laughs> I wonder what those people who worked on that movie thought. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're going to make him hot. Draw him sexier. Yeah, draw him sexier. The big wide shoulders. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Disney's sick. Question number six. Here's a tough question from a show with three funny guys and one very funny lady. In the Bizarro Jerry episode of Seinfeld, what are the respective names of the Bizarro Jerry, George, and Kramer? All right. You got this. I know you have this. I got to pull it deep from the depths. Yeah. I know that uh, Bizarro George was Gene. Yes. Uh, Bizarro Kramer was Feldman. Yes. And was Bizarro Jerry Kevin? Yes. All right. You got it. Okay. Great. So it was Kevin, Gene, and Feldman, and they were the exact opposite of Jerry, George, and Kramer, and that's a great episode. Everyone should watch Bizarro Jerry. (laughs) Okay. Question number seven. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was a 1991 movie that starred a bland voice Kevin Costner and Sean Connery doing his Sean Connery thing. What was the name of the incongruous song that Brian Adams sang for the film, which made it to number one for 14 consecutive weeks on the Billboard charts? The Boys of Summer? No. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? Summer of 69? Um, No, it's Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Oh, I didn't know that. Brian Adams. Um, 
okay, you know, I'm bad at music. Um, yeah. I also always confuse Brian Adams and Ryan Adams and mm. Brian McKnight. <laughs> Brian McKnight, son of Buffalo, grew up in Niagara Falls. Oh, how yeah. that? Yeah. He did the one song. One, you make my dream come true. Two, just want to be with you. Three, I know it's plain to see the joy of the Anyway, um, so Prince of Thieves is a perfectly fine movie. It is a 1991 movie with Kevin Costner, who is actually, I'm going to make the argument, was a terrible actor. And uh, <laughs> and he he apparently like was learning an English accent and the director <laughs> heard it and was like, you know what, mm. just, just ah. go with normal ass voice. How about that, Kev? How about we just do that? And I guess when they would like argue on set, and apparently mm. the director would argue on set, Kevin Costner would like shift into the British accent to try and like convince him that he could like naturally speak in a British accent. Was this British accent like my British accent? It was accent? so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's any like recordings of it. It was probably so bad. Oh, that I'm they- Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, I'm the Prince How of Thieves. <laughs> I've been in my trailer for four no, hours. No, John. No, John. <laughs> I got an idea. Craft services didn't have my drinks. Um, so. <laughs> So yeah, everything I do, I do it for you. Uh, Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Adams. Mm -hmm. I can sing every friggin' word of that song. Mm. If it comes on the radio, my brain shifts into a different like section Mm -hmm. and then it just comes out of my mouth. I can't even stop. Okay. Number eight. Comic legend Robin Williams dropped out of acting college to pursue his dreams of stand-up. What famous theater school did he go to? NYU? No, he went to Juilliard. Oh. Yeah. Why do I think of that as like just singing? Well, it's it's a it is a uh, arts school, okay. so it's like theater, music. Um, Lady Gaga went to Juilliard, okay. Uh, so it's like very high, like mm-hmm. super academic. Like if you went to Juilliard, you are like the best of the best. Nice. So it is interesting to know. I mean, Robin Williams was an intellectual and had mm-hmm. like the fastest brain I have ever like seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense that he had would have gotten into Juilliard and like done very well. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, question number nine. What dashing Australian-born actor became a superstar after his turn in the th- titular 1938 movie, The Adventures of Robin Hood? Errol Flynn. It was Errol Flynn. Um, I didn't know a lot about Errol Flynn, but apparently the expression in like Flynn mm. is from him because he was a womanizer and a huge perv uh, <laughs> who had a mansion that had peepholes and two-way mirrors everywhere yeah. so he could like watch his female visitors i feel like in helen peterson did a really good um article on him when oh when really she did her classic uh, like um scandals of classic hollywood series oh, really? on the hairpin i'll have to look that up yeah i really like Anne helen peterson she's yeah, a good writer she's great um okay yeah i'll look that up okay and finally question number 10 robin hood men in tights was a parody of the robin hood story as well as several previous films including prince of thieves what legendary comic wrote produced and directed it I don't know. Okay. It was Mel Brooks. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Well, you should have said it. Ow. It's just you and me. We're in your dining room. No one's <laughs> going to boo you. You're fine. So that was my uh, topic on Santa Claus and uh, wow. my quiz on Merry Men and uh, Merry Men. That's really fun. Yeah, that's not fun. Um, I have a I have a gift, a little token <gasps> oh, of a gift. I have a gift for, for you. you. So why don't we um why don't we share this on air? Okay, great. I like that. Okay, I'm gonna I have mine next to me, so you can go and get it. 
Mine's not wrapped. <laughs> Mine, is in, Mine is in this box that you have to give back to me because it's part okay. of the decoration. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm so glad. All right. So do you want, do you want yours first? Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. All right. Since I don't have mine wrapped, you got to close your eyes. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. I'm reaching across the table. All right. Now open them. (gasps) I got you stones. So I got you lapidolite. And then I got you something that I thought you would like. It's so pretty. Isn't it pretty? And that's called ruby fuchsite. So it's fuchsite with real ruby in it. (gasps) Yeah. So those pink flecks are, are ruby. So beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I figured, you know what? You could start your your My mineral collection. collection. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to cry. Aww. That's so sweet. Because you mentioned that, and I was like, I, I like took a note. I was like, lapidolite. That's so her yeah, favorite. So, so I got you a palm stone, which is also big. <gasps> that's great. I can yeah. also use it as my fidget spinner. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can use it as your fidget spinner. While I'm podcasting. Okay, great. Okay. Oh, man. I'm there so excited. Go. Okay, this is in a beautiful red box, and it's decorative, so it does not have any name on the tab. <laughs> And it's called Persistent Sisters Trading Cards, Bonafide Sheroes. So it's like a trading cards of like famous ladies? Yes. Oh my gosh. So um, there's a company called Persistent Sisters um, and I found them. um, They had a Kickstarter to produce um, these trading cards that tell the stories of women throughout history. Oh my God, this is great. So yeah, they have um, some really great, some really great cards. It's, it's a, it's a library of accomplished women spanning the fields of science, exploration, writing, mathematics, art, and more. Oh and so um, the the lady who created these was inspired because like her, you know, son's playing Magic the Gathering and like trading baseball cards with his friends and stuff. But mm-hmm. like there wasn't anything for like her daughter yeah. to do. So she thought it would be really cool to to put together these like, his, you know, these great women of history. Oh like God. these are great. There's like uh, Alice Paul and Florence Nightingale and Gwendolyn Brooks. And they're all beautifully illustrated and they're like great bright colors and then on the backs they have like their like some points about these individual yeah. like important facts and their dates and um these are great thank you so much yeah. you got me three packs yeah. three eight packs so yeah definitely um for the lady loving lady in your life wait what, what? <laughs> Or lady-loving ladies. That's fine. But people who appreciate strong, famous women and want to know more about them. And what's fun is that if you get more packs and then you have some duplicates, you can trade them with people that have them. And yeah. Oh my God. And you know what? This is great for me to cheat because I can pick one of them for my topic. Because you know what? You've You've done like a couple of people and I haven't done a single person yet if you don't count Santa Claus, which you shouldn't. Because he's not a real person. Sorry, everyone. Um, great. Thank you so much. You're this welcome. is great. Thank you. Thank you. So Yay. so appropriate for our podcast, and much um, and much more like intellectual than my, no, my I stones. Love them. Thank you. So <laughs> um, much. I got those from. It's called Gem City Mining on Etsy, and they oh, sell cool. uh, gems. And nice. I'm sure they they mean something in like the like the crystal, like yeah. it has good vibrations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's like positive energy and stuff like that. Oh, they're yeah, all definitely. good. Yeah, they're all oh good. God. So Cleansing much. your chakras and things. <laughs> um, so thanks so much, guys. Yeah. A Merry Christmas or Merry Happy Christmas. Holidays. Uh, if if you have a moment to spare, you know, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere you could find a podcast and listen to it. We're on Twitter at MissInfoPod. We have a Facebook page, Misinformation, a trivia podcast. We uh, have a have an internet page. The, <laughs> the regular tri- ass internet page. 
misinfopod.com. Um, yeah. Oh, and you can email us at misinfopod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, so thanks again to everybody who has sent us some really great comments. Um, shout out to Lita George of Something Something Birds, which is another amazing yes. trivia podcast. Oh my gosh. So each week he plays um, eight snippets of um, music and you have to identify the um, the song title and the artist. And then there's there the final question is what is the connection between all these songs? So That's if you great. go to trivia regularly and you have a like a musical round and you're like, how the hell do I study mm-hmm. for more 1970s in 1960s music <laughs> because I'm very bad at this. Um, Lee's podcast has you covered. So we uh, are shouting out something, something birds. So yes, definitely listen to something, yeah, really something awesome. birds. Lee George is the George is great. Sorry, yeah. Lee. <laughs> I didn't mean to mess up your name. So great. So anyway, I hope you had a, um, had a great day today and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.